0: You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjax.com. There you go. Um, this morning, it's January. As you know, it's January, which means that it's the second Sunday, it's spiritual lucian. It's spiritual lucian Sunday, one of two. There's no cards around, so don't worry. You're not gonna come up with your spiritual Uh spiritual lucians were something that was birthed out of New Year's resolutions a long time ago when we started the church, I think four years anyway. We started four or five years ago, but it came up with this idea that, you know, uh, the world has these resolutions. and There's a history of the world doing resolutions. I'm gonna tell you about it in a minute, but spiritual lucians came out of this reality that, you know, we don't want to set a course or a standard in our lives that the rest of the world is setting. The spiritual illusions reflect something that only God can do. We wanna be on a journey that looks different from the world. We wanna be on a journey that doesn't depend on what we are able to accomplish. We wanna be on a journey that God has to show up. And if he doesn't show up, that we're in big trouble. And all of that came from, like I said, New Year's resolutions. And I asked you, if I were to say, hey, how many people have done New Year's resolutions? You'd, a lot of people would probably already say, I've done my resolutions. And resolutions, for the most part, are an effort on you. Your part to change something about your life or your body that you don't like i mean that's just what it's about you know i'm gonna do these things because i don't like i mean that's one of the reasons i don't have resolutions because i like everything i like it's all here you know so i'm saying it's like it's nowhere to go it's nowhere to go from here and so but i can understand how you would see this and want that want more so you know if you set resolutions about exercising, just know there's nothing wrong or bad with that, but God has more. Um, but it's something about you know our life. There's something in our life we don't like, a habit, a pattern, whatever, and we want to get rid of it. And so this is going to be, be the year that we do it. And unfortunately, we've adopted that as Christians and spiritual solutions, or we're an effort on our part and we're going to do them next week um, to change that, to, to set a path in our life where God has to show up to get it done. And if he doesn't, we're in big trouble. But we're living in a way that is dependent on God. And and, uh, like I said, resolutions have a history. You know, in the Chinese culture for hundreds of years, maybe thousands, I don't know, the quote didn't say uh, on Google, but it said that for thousands of years, the Chinese every New Year's would clean their house as a symbol of starting fresh. The Jewish culture and their religious holidays would have 10 days where they would contemplate what God was doing, what God wanted to do, a time for them to reflect and uh, think about self-improvement. Um, but where it began was with the Babylonians almost 4,000 years ago. And the Babylonians would do something very unique. I would challenge you to do with your neighbor is what they would do is they would take their tools back that they had borrowed. I don't know what that's all about, but on new year's day, apparently the Babylonians would borrow, like get all their, what, I don't, what even tools they had. Like here's your donkey back happy new year. You know, or like here's a rake. So grab a shovel, grab something that you borrow from your neighbor cooking utensil, if you have it. And just to see a reaction, just bring it back. It was a happy new year or wrap it up even who knows. But, um, but they started this tradition. But one of the, one of the cool things that the Babylonians did is that they, um, they named our calendar. And, and, uh, after a, uh, the month of January, after a God named Janus and this God in the, uh, back in the ancient near East, thousands of years ago, that they named Janus. What was unique or significant about him is that he had two faces One face that looked forward and one face that looked back. And it communicated this reality or the importance of this reality that in order to plan your future and to know where you're going, you have to always be looking back and see what's happened and what's begun or what's kind of happened in the last year. And, And some of that I think is really healthy. I think it's really good. We see it even modeled in the Bible. We see Moses and God's leaders talking to the nation of Israel and to God's people saying, hey, don't forget what God's done. Don't forget what God's done in your life, that he's brought freedom so that you can find life. So as we move forward as a nation, let's look back and see how God has moved to determine how he might move. And so it's, again, we sing that song. Let's look at what is seen to determine what happens in the unseen in the future. And here are a few verses that reflect that. Um, Moses saying, to the nation of Israel, remember: this is in Exodus thirteen. Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. For by a strong hand, the Lord brought you out from His place. And so He's telling the nation, as they're wandering in the desert, they're getting ready to go on this journey with God. I'm not quite sure where this is in the process, but He's saying, "Remember the strong hand of the Lord." So as we move forward, you won't lose heart. You know, as we move forward, as we make plans, you can trust God then later we see in Deuteronomy, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you. That the Lord your God redeemed you. Remember that you were a slave. This is how good God is. That we can trust him, that he has redeemed you. You're a new person now. You're a new people under God's care, no longer under Egypt. And then in Joshua... Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you saying, the Lord, your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. So again, a promise that God has made. Remember the promises of God that God has made in your life so that you will behave this way as we lose heart or as we struggle, as we're in battle. And then lastly, this one's a great one. And there's lots more of these. There's tons of them. Just type in remember. Google search it in a Bible program and you'll get tons of these. But this is one in Psalm that uh, David said, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. So David, again, always in trouble, doing something jacked up, you know, The Spirit of God would bring him to a place where he would say, David, remember, remember the deeds. I'll remember your deeds, Lord. Yes, I'll remember the wonders that you have done in my life. And so we see this pattern in Christianity or really the Jewish culture that we've kind of become a part of, that we've been grafted into as children of God now that's calling us to remember what God has done. And the importance of remembering what God has done. Because it's often when we look at what's present, what's in front of us, that we lose perspective. It's when we see, we don't see God like we expect to see God. We don't experience God like we expect to experience God. And the, and the result is we lose heart. And so as we look at the, this year, the danger is that if we don't look back, if we don't look back, we might miss what God has for us. So, one of my encouragements, and I'm going to walk us back through the year real briefly, is to look at how God has responded. Look at what God has done. Look at his faithfulness. But at the same time, I know this that as we look back through the year, that some of us, maybe many of us, I really feel like the Lord laid this on my heart. So, you look back on 2011, there's going to be a disappointment. There's a. A sense of God didn't show up like I thought He would. God didn't respond like I asked Him to. My family's not any different. My marriage hasn't changed. My kids are still, you know, struggling with the same things that they've struggled with. I gotta be careful because my son's in here, you know. <laughs> I'm not giving anything away, he's the best. But um, the the reality is, is that many of us will look back in disappointment and, and, and we will feel disappointed. My wife told me after the first service, she's like, get off the disappointment thing. You're there way too long. It's too much about you. Let that go, you know? And so I'm gonna try to balance it better, but think about it. Just think about real quickly, just real, or, or real briefly, You know, think about just a few weeks ago, it was Christmas. It was Christmas. And for some of you, it was a very powerful experiencing of God where God really showed up. There was a season where God was really integrated into your family. And as you sought Jesus, you found Jesus and he really provided for you and you had a great time of reunion, being reunited with your family probably. And then for others, it was a very lonely time, a very difficult time where the wounds that you've received around Christmas or in the holidays were just brought back up. The disappointment was a reminder of the pain and the unanswered prayer. You know, I remember at, at my, whenever I was growing up, I got, went to college at University of Florida. There was a season in my life because of my family and the dysfunction that occurred during Christmas that I didn't even want to go home. And I stopped. Easter and Thanksgiving, I started coming up here and spending it with friends just because I didn't want to go deal with the junk that I had to deal with in my family. And so it was a painful time. But, but for, for, for a lot of you, it wasn't. It was a great time where God met you. But let's back up a little further. Before Christmas, we had Casino Royale, which we know is amazing for us all. But before Casino Royale, we had Thanksgiving. You know, again, a time that we should be thankful. But statistics tell us that it's, the, it's also a time where there's the most suicides. It's the greatest amount of depression experienced by people. Loneliness is astronomical. And so half of us, Or maybe more than half of us really experienced God showing up. Again, reminding us of all that we have to be thankful for. But then others, it was a very lonely time where we felt like God was absent. His spirit wasn't present. And when we look back, we feel frustrated. You know, and again, if we back up even further to, you know, I could just take us through the whole year. At every season, if it was the beginning of school, being excited about the new classes you had, if you're a student and, oh, this is gonna be great, it's gonna be different, and it's, it's not, or it is. Or God really met you and you met someone and, oh, this is awesome, God's on the move. Or you broke up with someone and God disappointed you. And I thought, I'm so tired of being left. I really wanna be married. Both of which has probably happened in this group. And then they go to the summer and before the summer was the spring. And then before the spring was January. Where we all sat last year and we thought, if I just work a little harder, if I just write down the right goals, if I just have enough quiet times, if I go to church enough, maybe God will hear me and then God will show up and then my life will be okay. And we were disappointed because the year before he hadn't. And that for some of us, January last year was the beginning of the best year of our life where God did show up. And we've grown through this year. He's spoken to us and he's led us and we are fired up for 2012 because God has been so good. He's redeemed, restored and transformed us. And so we have these two things going on in our our church right now. People that are unfortunately really frustrated and disappointed with God as they look back. And then people who are really excited and anticipating that God is on the move in their life. And I'm ready to grow and I'm ready to go. But I think that who I wanna speak to today, obviously are both groups because both groups are here. As we look to the future, I want to talk today, as we plan for next week in writing on spiritual illusion, that there is a call on God's people that many of us have been disappointed this year, not because we wrote down a spiritual illusion and God didn't show up to provide for it, but it's because he didn't show up in the way we thought he should. And I think that that happens because many of us write down resolutions instead of spiritual illusions. We write down things that still require us our effort over the top, us to do everything. We want God to come and meet, you know, meet us in a way that is selfish as opposed to that is focused on him and his kingdom. And so, again, Jesus reminds us as we take God's theme of looking back into the Old Testament. Jesus tells us, I'll tell you what to look at. You seek first my kingdom. You seek my kingdom first. And then I'll give you everything else that you need. And so this morning, I want to challenge us all as we present the opportunity to write down spiritual illusions. Things that if God shows up, he'll be glorified in. Things that only God can do. Things that will reflect and demonstrate his love for us. Things that will bring glory to him. But it begins with this, this reality. God designed us to seek first his kingdom. And if we are seeking anything but that, even in a spiritual illusion, don't be surprised if it doesn't happen. And if it doesn't happen, it's not because God's not faithful because we know that God is faithful. But it's because we probably asked for the wrong thing. It's probably we weren't being led by the spirit, but maybe by the flesh or by the circumstance that we're in in life. We're gonna head back into the Song of Solomon for the next little bit, teaching about God's love. And I started praying about what God wanted me to teach. It took me to the next piece of the puzzle was chapter one, verse four. And there's no coincidences in the kingdom. It happens to be in this verse that the bride of Christ is communicating her life vision, her greatest desire, her spiritual illusion, I could say, for not only the immediate need and desire in her heart, but for the long-term desire in her heart. And God's reflecting, again, we're the bride of Christ in this story of Song of Solomon. We are the bride. We are the one that God is teaching in this passage. This is what the desire of your heart should be. This is what the spiritual illusion of this year should begin with. And so we read in chapter one, verse four, the bride saying, draw me after you, let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. That's all we're going to do today. I'm going to do the next part next week. The next part of the verses. But draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. Now that might just seem like, what in the world is that all about? I'm going to tell you what that's all about. It's about the bride of Christ calling to Jesus and saying, Jesus, Father, draw me after you. This is what's most important. God communicating to us. This is what is the foundation of all of life draw me into your presence draw me bring me into your presence help me experience your spirit help me experience your love your power all that you have for me that's the secret place that everything flows from that everything comes from and if you're not in that place if that is not the greatest desire the first thing on your heart there's a good chance you're going to get your spiritual solution wrong and every other resolution in your life wrong it's the emotive it's the emotive who says that that's because I'm so smart. Things like that to slip out. Remember the Song of Songs. What is the Song of Solomon? It's the, it's, it's the emotional book of the Bible that communicates God's love for us and the love he's drawing, the romantic, passionate love that he's drawing us into. And so this is the book of the Bible where you read the heart of God saying, seek my kingdom first. The romantic position in Song of Solomon as God is our lover and, and we are his, he is saying, my heart, my love, my romance for you has to be the foundation. Come to me. Let me draw you away. Draw into my secret place. There's nobody else that knows about this place with you and the Lord. Nobody else experiences the Lord in this place with you. This is you and Jesus. And in this piece, in this little verse, draw me after you, God is telling us, this is the foundation for everything that happens in your life with me. And many of us are disappointed in life because this is not the place we've started. Some of us actually start with the next verse, which is, let us run, which is, when you unpack that a little more in the original language, we could better translate it. It says, let us run, Jesus, let us run together. Let us run after God's, together. Let's run after God's mission together. But it's also not only us and Jesus, it's us together. And this piece of scripture talks about let us together run after God's mission. And so many of us were tired, we're angry, we're hurt, we're pissed because that's where we began and that's where we end is doing 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 for God. If I do this, then God will bless me. If I do this, then I'll find happiness. I'm supposed to do this. I gotta do this. I gotta do Hollybrook. Then I gotta go do this. Then I gotta do this. Then I have to do this. I gotta do worship. And where do we land? Where do we end? There's some of us in this room that are the most involved in this church that are also the most weary, the most tired, and the most disappointed with God. You're just better at faking it. On the outside, it looks like you're happy because you're doing all the things. You're running with Jesus. The problem is you never went to God first, to allow his love for you to be the fuel and the passion and the drive behind all that God's calling you to do. And so you're tired, you're exhausted. When you look back on the year, you're like, holy shnomoly, I'm not, I don't want another year like that. I've done everything for you, Lord, and you haven't shown up. I'm disappointed, I'm, I'm angry. Or whatever. But here's the coolest thing about these verses. I'm gonna end with this. It's the third part where God says, the king has brought me into his chambers. I don't know what the heck that meant. I was reading about it. And there's this picture that scripture gives us that as we meet with the Lord, we begin to run with Jesus, allowing him to set the pace. We're running with Jesus, doing the ministry of the Lord, being filled and fueled by our love love of God, overflowing. Everything's coming out of this overflowing relationship with God. You'd think that, man, we'll just, if, if we just follow Jesus, we're gonna be good. We're gonna get there. God says no you're not the only way the only way is if I pick you up and I carry you into my chambers the work of Jesus Christ in the cross it's the grace of God in our life that brings us to the father that empowers us to run and to experience his love it's the king picking us up taking us to his throne room it's only in that only that's the only way it happens and so the freedom you have this year is guess what There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing, nothing. You can't have enough quiet times to make this happen. You can't do enough ministry to make this happen. You can't read the Bible in one year. I know some of you have started. You're not gonna read the Bible in one year and this is gonna happen. It's just not. I start doing that thing every year. I never finished. I've never finished it. Just know you're in good company because most of you haven't either. Unless your name's Sean Smith. But anyway, so there's nothing you can do are we still make, we're called to make an effort? Absolutely. We're still called to read the word, go to church and do these things? Yes, but none of that brings us into his presence. It's only positioning our heart in a way that says, Lord, it's in your presence that everything happens, that I receive your love, that I know how to follow Jesus, that I meet Jesus, we run together. And even then, Lord, come and take me, take me into your presence. Intimacy with the Father. That's our spiritual solution for 2012 as a church father draw us away from the world the temptations the brokenness the, the things of the flesh our efforts in the church draw us away that we would experience your presence it only happens when the king picks us up and takes us into our chambers and so we position ourselves for it we ask him for for it to happen and the promise of the lord is ah look back look at how i respond to my people and it will be the way that i respond to you i always come I always rescue you. I always pick you up. I'll always bring you in. It might not be when and how you think, but I will always be faithful. That's the promise of the Lord this year as we seek him as a church, as individuals. Let's let that determine our spiritual solution next week. Let's stand.